0: Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Hui Huin of Alabama Woodworker, and I'm joined by my friends, Sean Walker of Simple Code. Hey guys, how's it going tonight? Doing great. And Guy Dunlop of Guy's Woodshop. Hey. How you doing, man? Just peachy. Wonderful. This podcast is intended to answer your questions, the woodworking community, and give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. We also have a Patreon campaign, and we'd like to thank our newest patrons, Tim Deal, Bart Godefreud, and Nick Sawyer at Sawyer Designs. If you'd like to support the show, we are simply asking for a small donation to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. Please go to patreon.com forward slash woodshoplife if you'd like to show your support. And please stick around towards the end of the show where we'll briefly talk about what each of us have going on in our own shops. So let's get right into it, Guy. What is your first question?
1: My first question. This is from Ephraim. And Ephraim says, hey, guys, first love the podcast. Well, well, thank you, Ephraim. Of course, I've learned that I cannot do anything else while listening as I'm constantly having to pause the podcast and write down stuff. Ha, 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 ha. Well, I'm glad that somebody's taking notes because none of us are. <clears throat> My question is about shakers, rail, and style doors and drawer fronts. I've made a handful at this point, and it seems no matter what I do, they never end up flat. They're twisted or just bowed out a bit or something. I try to be as careful as possible during glue-up, etc., but they just never end up perfectly flat in the end. Is there a good strategy that I just don't know about? I use Poplar usually for the rail styles and plywood for the inserts. Ephraim, you are not alone, brother. Everybody has had that problem and everybody that has conquered that problem will have that problem in the future again. I heard once, I can't remember who I heard it from, but it was uh, Eric from the Poplar Workshop who who was doing a video and he said, if you cut your stuff square, it'll end up square. And that always stuck with me. I always made sure all my machines were tuned properly and, and cut everything square. It was also, I made sure that everything was flat as it came off the, the joiner or the planer. Mm-hmm. So even if you have all your stuff flat, and even if you have all your stuff cut square, you're doing a, a railing style with a panel in the middle and the plywood, the plywood may be the problem if it isn't flat. You really can't control that. I started using MDF for my shaker door inserts a long time ago. And that usually works pretty good. But if you don't have that and you're just using plywood, that's fine. The if you're using quarter inch plywood, the the rail and style frame should keep it flat. Two, a couple of things you have to really look at. First of all, is is your area where you're assembling them flat? Doors and drawer fronts are uh, especially doors are a tricky beast to glue up mainly because they have to remain flat. If you have a, 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 a an assembly surface that isn't dead flat, I mean by dead flat within like, you know, five to 10 thou of being flat, which is like the thickness of a playing card or a piece of paper. If you don't have that, it's hard to get your doors flat. The other thing is if you're gluing them up, don't put a lot of pressure on the joints, just yeah. close them. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're torquing up the clamps, I mean, typically all I do is I put enough pressure to close the joints, and then I back the pressure of the clamps off a little bit because the the clamps can actually twist your doors. Uh, this like I said, is a pretty common problem. Do you have any any thoughts on this, Sean?
2: The times that I've had issues, and you're absolutely right, uh, is if you start square, you're going to um, have I guess, more success in this, the, the rails, I was cutting the tenon using the dado stack and I've run into issues where the shoulders, I I guess, uh, longer, or how can you say the tenon, They weren't equal on both sides. So in other words, when I would clamp it together, it would squeeze the top because the top had more room to go in than the bottom of the tenon and it would cause it to, to cup and twist. So that's one thing that I would check to, to ensure that you know, your shoulders are square. They're the same on both sides of both faces of the board and clamping pressure is another big thing. It doesn't take much to, uh, to clamp those out of square, uh, using parallel clamps or pipe clamps or anything. Yeah, that's, you know, and I've also gotten to the point to where, you know, I've put wax paper down on my assembly table and, and laid it flat on the table and put the clamps on the top of the door. Yep. And that, that helped me ensure mm-hmm. to, to visually see is the door still flat or are, am I clamping it out of square? Um, or out of flat, whatever you want to call it, out of square. And you know that's just another little trick to help you know to see why you're clamping. Am I putting too much pressure? because you shouldn't put too much to where it pulls it out, especially if you're able to see it laying flat on your known flat surface of your assembly table.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I, I do the same thing. I, I lay it flat on my assembly table and then I use I don't use like bar clamps or pipe clamps when I do those. Mm-hmm. I have some like a light duty. F style clamps Mm -hmm. and that's what I use. And I I just pull the joints together enough to close them. Once I see the glue squeeze out, I stop. Mm -hmm. And I actually back off pressure at that point. I don't want a lot of pressure on it. I just want the joint closed. And I want the clamps there just to hold it closed.
2: The doors are picky. There's some other components, rails and styles, like on a or an apron, perhaps clamping it to a leg. I mean you can you can get away with fixing that if it's not Perfect. You know, when you put the top down, it's going to help pull that together, and then you can shave the legs. So you can you can recover easier from something like that versus a door that you clamp out of square.
1: Now, what do you think? We have we missed something.
0: Uh, I don't really have very much to offer other than all right. Know, if,
1: next <laughs> question. <laughs> you knew that was coming.
0: haven't yeah, I know. Having a good uh, flat assembly table to start off with, and, and honestly, even if it if the assembly table is out of flat. Well, 32nd, they're really not going to make that huge of a difference. But yeah, just laying it flat and then not actually having the doors elevated from the clamps, but just leaving them on that flat surface really tend to help me a lot is something it, neither of you actually even ever mentioned that to me, but something I do as well. The other thing, and I know we've mentioned this just when you're milling the material, making sure that you you're taking an even amount off on both sides. I think that makes a big difference in terms of how your wood is moving, um, eliminating any possibility of that movement happening uh, after the fact, after you're completely milling off um, the material. I don't know if
1: you can completely eliminate wood movement.
0: No, you can't. Eliminate it to the best of your ability in terms of what it is that you can do, right? Physically can do. Obviously, you can't change the uh, grain structure of the wood, right? So... Um, the moisture content, you know, other than the fact that uh, you let it acclimate to your shop, that's about the best thing that you can do. But you guys really covered that one pretty well in terms of all the things that I do to try to alleviate the type of problems that get from uh, cope and stick doors. Cope and stick? Yeah. Cope and stick, right? That's what he was mentioning.
1: Yeah. The only thing I can recommend, I mentioned it before, is using MDF for your inserts. So at, mm. at work, when I first started there, the salespeople had this thing about selling what they call slab doors, which is just a slab of plywood mm-hmm. with edge banding on it for the doors. And the problem is, they it's plywood. They don't sit flat. Right. They just right. don't sit flat. So oh. I, I I really pushed hard for frame and panel doors. And she's just the salesperson. I just don't want anything to do with it. So we finally just started whether she liked it or not we, we do mdf corridors now mm-hmm. so all our door panel are our, are our, our, you know they're one piece doors they're just mdf that's it they're veneered mdf so those are flat and they don't warp or twist and do all kinds of crazy stuff
2: yeah there's so, no recovering uh, from that
1: yeah i mentioned that before you know first part of the question is it could be the the, the plywood that's given you Grief. So make sure the plywood's yeah.
2: flat. So. I think I've got the next one. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is from, I believe it's, they didn't put a name in here. So it's Barrio Woodworks, a woodworking podcast that actually has woodworking content. Love your show. Well, we appreciate that. My question deals with routing dados on large carcass builds by hand. When placing a straight edge, sometimes the router wants to jump on me and go offline. I tried placing a straight edge on bottom and then one on the top of the router while going in the left or right direction. Should I be using two straight edges to keep the router from veering offline or are there other factors such as speed and depth of the bit? Thanks. Uh, there's a couple things that I would fix with this setup. And the first thing that, in my opinion, you need to look at is your router bit. You need to make sure it's sharp. You need to make sure it's clean. I've used dull straight bits and it's just gonna struggle to to cut the wood and it's gonna cause the router to skip and jump. And the, the last time that I had this happen was when I was using one of those, I think it was, I don't know, an inch and a half uh, straight bit using uh using that to flatten a slab, even taking extremely shallow passes. Um it, it it went dull on me after about three passes on the entire slab and it just caused the, uh, the router to jump and skip and jump. And it was just a mess. So I would first check out your bit, make sure it's sharp, make sure it's clean. Next, you want to look at your depth of cut, like you mentioned above, uh, and, you know, make sure you're not biting off more than you can chew, because again, feed rate combined with a dull bit, you're going to cause it to, to skip. And if you're using something like a straight edge, you don't have a whole lot of surface there. That's going to, uh, that your router can use to reference. So if it, Bumps up just a little bit. It's going to be really easy for it to uh, go off of your straight edge. And you know, personally, I wouldn't feel comfortable with something as thin as a ruler acting as an edge guide. I mm-hmm. would uh, recommend using three quarter inch, you know, piece of plywood, rip it at mm-hmm. the table saw, and use that as your edge guide. And you can even get fancier than that and make a, a zero clearance dado jig that your router sits down in. And it's going to support the the left and the right of the router using three quarter inch plywood. That's going to help keep it trapped in. Try those things first. And I'm going to pass it off to Hui this time before we take all the answers and give you <laughs> give you a little room to talk here. Uh, what else can uh, Barrio Woodworks do uh, to keep his router going straight?
0: Yeah. So I'm wondering here: is he using the router body? It sounds like he's using the body, like the um, oh, what is it? Uh... The base. The base, yeah, the base of the router to as an edge guide. And I'm wondering if maybe he might be referencing off of several different, edge, you know, one edge versus the other. And just making sure that whatever edge you're of the base of the router that you're using, um, you maintain that same edge for all of your dados so that they're not off by a little bit. Oh, I don't think that was his question. I was just adding that into the answer to this question. Hmm. There are these like edge clamps. Have you seen them before? That you use for like uh for circular saws. And yeah, you can do the same thing with uh with a router as well. And they're pretty inexpensive. I think you can get them for like twenty bucks at most of the box big box stores. And they're they're kind of nice. Unfortunately, they are kind of restrictive in their total length, uh, about four feet, but. Uh, I don't sort of wonder if whether or not you be, well, I guess there'd be op- instances where you need to route dados that are larger than that, but man, for a carcass build, mm, I, I don't see it needing to be longer than four feet. At, at that point, I might just do it on the, uh, data stack and the table saw. How about you guy, anything else that you might be able to add to why he might be getting some veering cuts?
1: Well, Sean, I think hit the nail on the head when he's talking about a dull router bit. That'll mm-hmm. cause like all kinds of crazy problems. If he's using an edge guide, there's, uh, the 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 clamping guide, I think is what you're talking about, is the trade name for that thing we where it's a yeah uh, an aluminum track that you clamp down. And Sean's absolutely right too. A, a ruler is not enough to to give a router much per purchase to to really butt up against. Before I got all fancy with all my expensive tools, what I used to use for dados is I just used plywood, like Sean suggested, but I'd use to set to set it up, I'd actually use three pieces of plywood. One for the left to go on the left side of the router and one to go on the right side of the router. And then one in the middle to set up the cut. And that middle piece was the same width as the base of my router. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd, I'd lay that down and I had marks on the ends where, you know, let's say I wanted to make a, a however long cut, didn't really matter. But let's say my base was, you know, four and a half inches. I'd make a tick mark at, at four or two and a quarter on each end, line that up, I knew that was my center, clamped that down, clamped the other boards up next to it, removed the center board, and ran the router down the middle. There's all kinds of videos on the internet, and there's all kinds of jigs that can be made for doing this type of thing. They're, I think they call them like zero clearance dado jigs or some crap like that. I can't remember exactly what they call them. But there's jigs that you can make to do that too. That'll definitely prevent your router from jumping around. However, it won't save you from a dull bit. There's also the issue of chip ejection. So if you're using, let's say, a three flute half inch bit, that's a solid carbide spiral upcut. It may not be ejecting the chips fast enough, depending on your feed rate. So look at something like a two flute spiral bit instead and you'll get better chip ejection and that'll cause, that'll help the, uh, the blade run a little bit cleaner. That's about all I can think of. Does any of that make sense? Yep. Yeah. I think about three quarters of what you said made sense.
2: (laughs) I'm just joking. Awesome. (laughs) I
1: hit
2: 75%. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pass it off to Hui for his
0: first question. All right, so this question is a relatively long one, but I think we can actually dissect it into smaller pieces and kind of answer it as we go along. This is from Jeff uh Sergeant Maker. Okay, so got a lot of information here. Uh, I've listened to every episode of this podcast, and I enjoy the knowledge and opinions that you shared. Man, that's torturous. Every single one, Really? Uh, I have a veneering question, and I will try and be as detailed as possible with my background on the project. I am designing a nightstand side table. The focal point of this will be an oval cylinder that will be about 20 inches tall and have a depth of about 20 inches and about 10 to 12 inches wide. I will make this utilizing plywood kerfing method to bend the plywood into two halves of the oval, and each half will finger join to a center divider that will be used to separate the top shelf from the bottom shelf. Picture an oval shape in two halves, and each edge will have finger joints to interlock a center divider, which will utilize a divider. Shelf on top and a half oval drawer on the bottom, the long edges of the divider will have fingers with... Uh, that will interlock with each half of the oval. I want to veneer the outside and inside of this oval and will dress the edges with a walnut half inch thick edge banding. I'm going to acquire some 24 by 96 inch sheets of walnut veneer. Most have a paper back. Will this veneer work in wrapping the outside and inside of the oval or will the curvature be too tight and cause the veneer to break? If so, what would you recommend that may be a better solution. So I think one, I think actually that would be fine. I don't think it's going to break or bend. Um I would test it out first uh to see if whether or not uh you know you you know kind of bend it and see what whether or not you're it, it's cracking or whatnot. But I've gotten paperback veneer uh shipped to me, uh, large sheets, 24 by 96 inch sheets, and they're wrapped up in a tube that is about 10 inches. So I think you'll be okay. Pretty sure you will be. What do you think, Guy?
1: Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any issue at all with the the, the curvature he's talking about. Mm-hmm. My, listen to this question. My only thing is I've done curves to bend things before. Mm-hmm. And no matter what I do, there always leaves little flat spots.
0: Yeah. Faceting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know what you really want. Faceting? And
0: yeah. So yeah. It's, it's fascinating.
1: Oh, yeah, It's fascinating. It's called fascinating. <laughs> so I'm not a big fan of that method gotcha. for that reason. Cause no matter what you do and I've, I've talked to people that say, Oh yeah, no, I don't have any flat spots. They're lying. Mm-hmm. There's, if you do that method, there'll always, always be flat spots. It's mm-hmm. just physics. It's the way it is. So with that being said, you know, the, the issues he has with the veneer, it's not going to be an issue. Yeah. Have you ever done anything like that, Sean, where you curved plywood and put veneer? Yeah,
2: over? I have. And um, I, I made many, many years ago, I made a little retro looking TV arcade thing. And I had,
1: yeah, I remember that
2: curve. I think it had curve plywood. It's been so long, but yes, I have. And you're right. I, no matter what I did, I had flat spots or whatever we said, but I had flat That's spots. Great. Yeah, I mean it was it was a small curve, so it was, you really can't notice it. But if you rubbed it with your hand, you could feel it. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm having a hard time understanding what exactly this person is making here.
1: Well, it, I, I think he's talking about a demi table.
0: Yeah. Okay. L- l- let's go to the next question really quick. With a glue up like this, what would you recommend for glue? Being that it's that it's curved like that. Um, probably like a high solids PVA glue. So like a Unibond one or something like that, or a cold, I guess it's a called a cold press veneer glue. What do you think, uh, Sean or guy? It's, it's, oh, go ahead, guy.
1: It's paperback veneer. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to use contact cement.
0: Okay. That's he, it. That, that's the answer. Oh, he has to use contact cement.
1: I, that's the only type of, I, I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. I I have been wrong once before I remember the day, (laughs) but from what I understand that paperback veneer, you should be using contact cement.
0: I think you can use other glues. Uh, I think it depends on whether or not uh, you're using a press, Uh, but yeah, contact cement probably would be just fine. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm going to recommend contact cement. Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. I guess I'm, I guess I would. Pro- well, I, I would probably use. Is it talking b- about
2: gluing the veneer to the already glued up half oval or, or is he talking about the half oval
0: a- right, right. Uh, I, I think I'm taking it as the veneer. I take it that he already has figured out the kerfing process of it. But all right, all right. So we'll go ahead and because there are a lot of questions. We'll go ahead and move on to the third one. I do not have a vacuum system or bags. I will create a form from MDF to apply the pressure to the inside and outside. I am looking at veneering the insides first while it is still in two pieces. Once the two halves are together, I will veneer the outside. I guess that's not necessarily a question other than a statement as to what he's doing. I think that process is fine.
2: I would have to. I, I'm. Yeah, I would have to see what he's even what he's even talking about because I'm not. Yeah. Yep, I'm of no help on that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, the last question that he has is just an overall general question. Any advice on gluing of the veneer and thoughts on how to apply pressure for the glue up? I mean, just making them male and female forms and pressing it together is... All That's I your only do option. Sort of yeah. I mean, I with you-
1: I've, I've, I've done this once before, but with bent laminations. Uh-huh. And I use some of those uh, quick grip clamps. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, little pistol grips, and you just squeeze them. Yeah. Um, and I got the heavy duty ones, and these things have like six hundred pounds of pressure. And I made, you know, a, a, a male and female form, or an inside and outside form, whatever you want to call it. And I used three of these clamps, and I started in the middle, and I squeezed it a couple of times, and squeeze the outside ones, go back to the inside, outside, inside, outside, inside, outside. Yeah. And it worked tremendously well. Yeah. I mean. Really well, yeah. um, pistol grip clamps. Yeah, I, I think they just call them quick grip. Yeah, or I, I I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the Irwins
2: the fi- is what you're talking about, then. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know what the official term of those clamps is. I, I know yeah. Mike packovich calls them squishy clamps. I don't. I, I don't want to uh, commandeer that name from him. So we'll just say quick, quick quick grip quick quick, quick grip clamps. Um, And that worked really well. There's actually a video on YouTube that Pop Woodwork did of this many, many years ago. And that's where I got the idea from. It's not mine. But I said it worked really well for bent lamination. And if you're gluing up something like this, you know, with a curved uh, veneer and you're worried about getting good inside and outside pressure, this would be a good way to do it.
0: So that finishes up our first round of questions and now a word from this episode's sponsor. Mavic Abrasives is a family-run, American-made manufacturer of abrasives such as sanding belts and sanding discs. There are no materials imported from China in their manufacturing process and they really stand behind their quality and service. They have five-inch sanding disc boxes starting at $12.50 and their pricing on sanding belts is the best on the web. So give Garrett a call or check out their website at www.maverickabrasives.com. So let's get back to the questions. We're coming back around again for guy's second question.
1: Well, my question is from Justin. That's a good question. Unfortunately, it's another veneering question. So I hope we don't lose too many people going there. Oh, they're going to talk about veneer all the time. I don't. I didn't. We don't know. I really don't know what questions these guys are going to take until like five minutes before the show, so I apologize. Anyways, but I'm not going to apologize for Justin because it's a good question. Justin asks, I'm new to the world of veneering and would like your advice on my current project. I'm building a simple hand tool cabinet from Son, Riffson Sapele and would like to accent the door panel and drawer fronts with a contrasting veneer. Most likely, it will be maple. In my design, there are two banks of drawers. The dimensions of their faces are three and a half by six inches for the top set and four by nine for the bottom. Ideally, they will be five eighths inch thick. Sounds like a pretty good plan so far. Um, My plan is to use Baltic birch as a substrate for the door panel but I would like to use solid wood for the drawers. And this is a good question. Where This is where it comes in. Given their size, how important is it to have a balancing veneer? If it's not important, should I consider a more stable cut of wood, such as quarter saw or rift? Thanks in advance, Justin. So what he's talking about is typically when you do veneering, you have not only the face veneer, but you have the backer veneer mm-hmm. because if you put veneer just on one side of a, of a panel let's say whether it's plywood or solid wood that glue will cause stress to the outside fibers of one side of the wood if you don't put anything on the other side and will cause it to bow mm-hmm. so typically what you do is you put an inside and an outside veneer and it balances it that's why they call it a balancing veneer. Mm-hmm. It, it gives you equal tension on both sides of the piece of wood. And hopefully they will remain flat. What Justin's big question is, is I'm doing drawers and the drawers. Can I make them out of solid wood or can I, should I make them out of Baltic birch? Mm-hmm. And he sounds like he's only going to put veneer on one side of the drawer face not Mm -hmm. both sides. Is this a problem? And the short answer to that, Justin, is no, it's not a problem. It's very common to do that. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, and I've actually done it on door panels too, believe it or not, because that door panel, just like a drawer front, is captured. It can't really move because you've got the drawer sides on it that are either dovetailed or rabbited or Whatever method you're using to, to attach the front to the sides, it really helps prevent that from moving around. You don't have to concern yourself with a rift sawn plywood or rift sawn solid wood or whatever. People have been doing this for hundreds of years. Search videos for hammer veneering. Yep. It's very common practice to do on, door, on drawer fronts. They're taking a piece of solid wood, and they're hammer veneering, or in other words, putting veneer on the on the surface with hide glue, and like a squeegee, and squeegeeing off the excess, and mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. But there's absolutely no concern of that piece warping and moving. I don't believe. What do you think? We
0: I don't think there's going to be any issue with it. Can do you remember? I think it was maybe about gosh it. Probably was over a year ago at this point. But I actually asked you this question because I was thinking about putting a veneer on some drawer fronts uh, as drawer fronts on some uh, wooden drawers that I was making. And I was like, well, is that going to be a problem because it's dovetailed in? And, you know, like if I veneer the front, don't I need to veneer the back? And if that's the case, like, do I do all the dovetailing later and afterwards? And then what's the point? Right. So why don't I just make it out of solid wood at that point? And I remember you telling me, it's like, it's too thin. It's not going to be a big deal. It's it's a small panel and it wasn't a big panel. So um, I've done this before. I did it recently on a couple of drawers uh, on my storage bench. Not a problem. Haven't had any movement. Hasn't delaminated. So I think you'll be fine, Justin.
1: Yeah. What about you, Sean? Have you, have you tried this before? Anything? Yeah,
0: I have. And it works fine,
2: and especially the size of the drawer fronts. You have three and a half by six and a four by nine. Yeah. You know, they're they're pretty darn small. I mean, how much could they move? You know, theoretically.
1: But typically, when, when you get if you don't have that balancing veneer, let's say in a large door panel, it bows pretty pretty quick. I've seen it happen. Uh, yeah, uh, Yep. But a piece that small, and especially with the grain running that way, it, it's very difficult. It's it,
2: not going to. And let me tell you something else that I did that's kind of maybe sort of related to this, maybe not really, is I laminated two pieces of quarter inch wood. And uh, I think I did a maple on top and a walnut on bottom. I didn't rotate the grain. And now that piece of wood is like a potato chip. It started flat, but I didn't rotate the back uh, panel. And man, man, rotate the grain. You know how you have the grain. Okay, I got, say, I got a quarter inch. 12 by 12 piece of maple, quarter inch, 12 by 12 piece of walnut. I laminated those two together to get a half inch piece and I, I didn't rotate the grain behind it, you know, didn't rotate the board behind it. So the, oh, the cross grain, cross grain. So it's vertical on both yeah. pieces. Holy crap. Did that thing turn into a potato chip?
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was
2: a good lesson. And you know, I did it for the a CNC project. I was, I cut through the maple into the walnut to uh, carve some stuff out with a v-bit so i was like oh that'd be pretty cool and i just forgot to rotate the board behind it alternating grain uh direction and it turned into a potato chip
1: yep
2: i mean it's absolutely it will but yeah sorry justin it has nothing to do with this but i agree with guy and (laughs) we you'll be fine and if not just send guy the bill for uh Replace the drawer
1: fronts. I'll I'll take care of that for you. No problem, (laughs) Justin. Um, (laughs) Our questions here, you know, should I have a more stable cut of wood such as quarter sawn or rift? To be honest with you, it can't hurt. So if you've got it available, I mean, don't go out and buy it special. But if you've got some in your lumber rack and you've got some quarter sawn or especially rift sawn, Mm -hmm. go ahead and use it. Why not? It can't hurt. Especially mm-hmm. with the drawer front. I mean, drawer fronts are, you know, especially with an insect drawer, oh my Lord, mm-hmm. you know, expansion and contraction on those can really screw up a nice, even gap for you.
2: And yeah, with so. panels that aren't that wide, like three and a half or four inches, yeah. you can find it off of a piece of wood, a nice, you know, straight grain piece.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
0: That, so, that being said, I've seen pieces with like walnut burl and uh, crotch or whatnot as drawer fronts that have been veneered onto, you know, like a, like a poplar base or whatnot.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very common thing to do. Yeah. So,
0: but yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. If, if you're concerned about it and you have access to riffs on or quarter sawn, yeah. yeah, go for it. It Absolutely. won't hurt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it, it won't hurt it up a
1: little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it makes if it makes you feel better, Justin, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and do it. I say it can't hurt anything. So yeah, all right. So who's got the next question? I do. It Sean Sean? Sean. yeah, yep. it's me. Sean mm-hmm. from Simple Cove.
2: That's right. Awesome. Uh, hey guys Ray from Ravenwood here. Uh, I love the podcast and the information it provides. Appreciate that, Ray. Uh, I'm building a hand tool cabinet. This is another hand tool cabinet. Here we go. And had a quick question about storing hand planes in a plane till. I know conventional wisdom is to store planes on their side to protect the plane iron. How does a plane till change this? Do you guys retract the blade when storing it in a till? Or is this idea that the angle of the till sufficiently mitigates gravity such that the plane can remain set up? Ray. This this is a, a touchy subject to a lot of woodworkers. And... I myself don't lay my hand planes on their sides either when I'm storing them in a cabinet, setting them on the bench. I do sometimes prop them the end of the plane up on, you know, like a, a domino or some scrap piece of wood, but I, I don't, I don't concern myself with that. Uh, I don't slam the plane down when I'm done. I don't set it on non wooden surfaces. Um, and I know that, you know, there are, there's a lot of folks that preach, and only lay their planes down on their side. That's cool, um, but I personally don't. And I, I watched a Paul Sellers video. Oh gosh, probably a couple of years ago, where he talked about this, and he said back when they were teaching kids in school to be woodworkers, many, many, many uh, moons ago, uh, they would they would rough on the hand planes because they would just slam them down. So they taught them to lay them on their side to uh, you know to prevent any any damage to the blade or knocking it. You know, out of whack, and that's just something that that he said that stuck. Uh, but mm-hmm. I personally don't do that. And you know, I got I made a, a video on sharpening my hand plane, uh, the blade, a brand new blade, and setting it up. And it and then I put it in the plane, used the plane, and set it down. And that was pretty much the whole video. And I had a comment saying, as soon as you set that plane down, it was already dull because you set it on the blade. I'm like I what? set it on my yeah, I set it on my workbench which is made out of wood that the hand plane planes. I I don't understand. I didn't wood is
1: so much harder than the, than the steel of the blade. It just immediately dulls. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yes. So I now lay them on feathers and (laughs) no, I'm just joking. But (laughs) you know, if you're, if you're not rough with your hand planes and you set it down, especially with the plane to, I understand, you know, the, the angle of it would definitely help with that. But I wouldn't. I don't lay mine down on the side. I've never had an issue. You know, I have dropped a hand plane before. I'd say that probably did more damage than setting it down. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't concern myself with worrying about is it going to dull the blade? Setting it down on a wooden workbench. I don't lay it on the side. I talked to a, f- a few folks on Instagram over the years. They don't. They they'll say it's a waste of time and not 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 a concern. But how uh, h- how do you feel about? laying your planes down on their side versus setting them on their bottoms.
0: I sometimes do. And I sometimes don't. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's not something that I have in my head. Oh my goodness. I put the plane side down. No, it doesn't really matter that much to me. Uh, Sometimes I do lay it on its side just because I don't know because I lay it on its side, but it's not something that I'm actively thinking my head that I have to do that. Because if not, I'm going to be dulling the blade. I mean, the first swipe you take with that hand plane, you're dulling the blade.
2: And every swipe after that.
0: And every swipe after that. Exactly. If you don't mind, in terms of the plane till, I think I always thought that plane tills were just just made the planes more accessible in terms of, you know, just storing them there on display and just grabbing it. And no, I don't retract my blade when I store it in the till. I keep it the same as, you know. The last time I used it, yeah, I, I
2: think I just, that just putting them in the till like that is just kind of space saving and yeah, and fast to grab and get to work.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's the gravity is mitigating any possibility of it being touching the blade and you know, special store. You know, I don't think so. Yeah, um, guy, do you have anything to add to this? Mm, nope. <laughs> All right, hope um, that helps, Ray. We'll move right <laughs> on. You knew that was coming, right? <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, I knew it was coming. Um, I don't get that wound up over stuff like that. Yeah. Um, To me, it's a tool. I I, I did a video once. I can't remember what I was doing, but I had a hand plan. I was actually hand planing some plywood. And immediately, of course, you know, people are going, oh, my God, you can't do that. The plywood, it'll dull your blade, blah, blah, blah. i was like, okay. If my blade gets dull, I'll just sharpen it again. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. No, a dull dull plane blade. The world is over. Um, I put my hand planes in a till. The blades touch the wood. Sometimes I may set them down a little bit too hard and, and damage, or not damage, but, you know, screw up the alignment of the blade inside the plane and I have to readjust it and I deal with it and I move on <laughs> life is tough <laughs> um if that's like the my main focus in life is not to work not to let my tools get dull choose another profession yeah it's just it's just uh, <sighs> Yes, um, I feel the same way. That being said, I, I do put my, my planes in a till. I do set them down on the blade. However, when I'm at the bench, I do set them down on the side. And I don't know why. Just because I probably heard somebody say once, well, you know, set it on its side. I'm like, all right. It can't hurt anything. Yeah. Doesn't really make a difference to me. Yeah. So I'll set them down on its side.
0: I do that too, and I—I I, no rhyme or reason. I just do it sometimes. I
1: yeah, don't know why. Just I, I,
2: do it. I don't because it's slower to pick up. I have to turn my hand and reach in there. Oh my god! Oh my goodness. <laughs> By that time, you know the blades already fall. So what's
1: yeah? Point? You've you've the 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 <clears throat> water that's you know in the air because water or air is a liquid. That will actually cause friction on the blade and cause it to get dull if you're moving in that extra. You know, yeah, blade. I just
2: think it's more—it's easier and faster for me to pick it up with it sitting on its bottom. I, ugh, No, I pass. You know, if that's an issue, just have something on your bench like I do a domino and then just set the front end of it on a domino and it's propped up. That's the only, <laughs> re- only reason seen- I bought a Festool. Domino.
1: I've seen people do that too, or they have like a little strip of wood that they leave on their bench. So they can set their hand plane down. Yep. As they put the, yeah. the, the, the heel or the, not the heel, but what's the other end, the front end? Toe. The toe. Is that the toe? Yeah. The front the is
0: the
1: toe. toe. Where okay. your toes are. Yeah. The toe. <laughs> they put the toe on a piece of wood. I don't know. Just
2: say the front end of the plane. That's what I say.
1: It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a hand plane. That's all I know. I'm not Mr. Hand Tools. I can use them, but that's about it.
2: Yeah. Well, Ray, I think you're going to be, and it's just like every other person that has a plane till they're doing the same. You can retract the blade if you want, but if you're careful, you should be good to go. I don't think you're going to have any issues. And with that, we, what is your last question?
0: All right. This question is from our favorite listener, Brent Jarvis. He, so many questions. Brent. Awesome guy though.
1: <laughs> when did he become our favorite
0: listener? I'm just saying he just has a lot of questions. Brent.
1: <laughs> are you? Uh, I, I don't know if Brent's my favorite listener or not. Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to think about that. I'll have to think about that. I think, I think that, all our listeners are my favorite
0: listeners. There you go. There
1: you I, go. I
2: think that uh, I'm with Hui. He's he's one of the
0: favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. I was wondering about your ideal way to glue up bookmatch door panels. For instance, I have a four-quarter board and I'll resaw it on the bandsaw. These boards will be my boards to make the panel. The thin boards are usually too thin to put in clamps. My process is to use blue tape and a friction fit. I'll put the tape on one side and prop it up in the center and put glue on the joint, wiggle it a tad back and forth along the joint, then put more blue painter's tape on the other side. I was wondering if you had another method that would be better. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy lives and sharing your knowledge With the community, thank you, Brent. Um, I do it the same way. Yeah, thin panels. I do it the same way. Uh, I've seen some people have like use their MFT with like some clamps and whatnot and all that stuff. I don't really think that that's necessary. I feel like if you don't have like a good enough joint, if you don't have a flat enough joint between the two, maybe that's what you would do. But sort of in that situation, if I didn't have the boards mating up nicely. Um, and got a nice, uh, tight joint there. I would probably just go back to the joiner or I would use a hand plane and just shoot the ends. Um, and then go back to the process that you talked about, Brent, but I really don't have a better way of doing it. This is the exact same way I do it. Guy, I think you do the same thing. Yeah.
1: I've been doing it that way for years. And by the way, Brent, I'm just teasing you. We I love think you. he knows. We love you, <laughs> we,
0: we love you man. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I've been doing it that way for a really super long time, especially like dorm ma- or bookmatched door panels mm-hmm. where they're maybe a quarter inch or three eighths of an inch thick. Yeah, you know, on, 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 at, at, at the thickest, I'm just putting some glue. I don't even do the tape and prop them up and put the glue. In. I just put some glue on there, slosh them around a little bit, and put glue tape on. <laughs> yeah, it. I don't oh, even nice. put glue in there. <laughs> no i put I put glue in but i just i just make sure they're on a flat surface that's yep. that's the real trick to it and you can you know get it together tape it tape them together and if it's not perfect you can like tape the panel to the flat surface
0: mm-hmm. too and
1: that helps yep you know clamps are great and they can apply pressure you know you're gluing up at Like at work, we glue up these tabletops every day. I watch these guys gluing up like 12 foot, four foot wide tabletops. These seams are far from perfect. If you've ever tried to joint a 12 foot board or a 14 foot board, you know exactly what I'm talking about, even an eight foot board. And they're just beating the hell out of the clamps with rubber mallets. Applying all kinds of pressure to get these things to close, and that's what you got to do. But when you're looking at a small panel like this, it's very easy to finesse that joint with either a hand plane or even on a on a jointer. Just set your jointer, take a very light pass, you know, thirty second or less, just a whisper, and take that little bit of an off, little bit off and get it jointed nice. If it closes without any real pressure i mean you set it down and put it together and that seam is just disappears yeah throw some glue on it do a little rub joint action put some tape on one side of it that's it you don't even Bottom a boom tape you bought a boom and you're done mm. so
2: yeah if uh blue tape is a great method uh i use that however i'm going to throw this out there as an alternative just in case so i just so I have something to say, what the heck? You know, I have uh, thrown the clamp or throw the boards in parallel clamps, whatever clamps, pipe clamps or parallel. And I have the quick clamps, then I will clamp the uh, the seam on each end just to prevent it from popping up, but barely putting pressure on it using the parallel clamps to close it up. Another way of I've uh, done that is parallel clamps, but instead of clamping at the seam clamp, clamp the boards. Down to the to the pipe clamp or the parallel clamp, um, so that it's not going to pop up. Put pressure on it. Get squeezed out tight enough, and then stop.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I've not done that. I'm not saying that it's not legitimate. I'm just saying. Oh, it's I'm legit. Never, yeah. I, oh, hey. Oh, it's hey. legit. I don't need hey. flea to don't, tell me. Don't it's legit.
1: Question, Don't question Sean's legitimacy. <laughs> don't question
2: my glue ups. No. It, <laughs> it's it's definitely uh, if you have if blue tape works that's cool. But sometimes you get really long panels that it's just difficult. You're going to have to throw clamps on it. You're going to have to do something that that's my method is, uh, throw them in parallel clamps, clamp the boards down to the bottom of the bar, uh, parallel clamps on each end, just so they won't pop up and put real light pressure. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
2: And then stand on it.
0: Well, Brent, I hope that helps you. That is our last question. So let's talk about what we have going on in our own shops. And guys, since you started off with the questions, let's start off with what you've got going on in your shop.
1: What do I have going on in my own shop? Absolutely nothing. I'm getting ready to, 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 after finally, after a year, my wife has finally convinced me to to finish the trim work in the house. I (laughs) don't want to do it, but that's what I'm doing this weekend. At work, we've been a little slow, but I've still got projects going on. I built, I've done, I've been doing a lot of training with the guys because basically, if it's not a tabletop, I build it. All the guys there do is they just build tabletops. That's it. Period. Mm -hmm. End of story. So anything that comes through, that's not a tabletop, like a cabinet or a table base or whatever, it comes to me. So I've been doing some training with the guys, trying to flesh out who's the, the, the best guy to come work with me full time. And, uh, Built a couple projects like that. Um, just simple cabinets. And this last week, I got a, a four part project. It's actually for a chapel for IU Health, which is Indiana Univer- University Health, uh, for a chapel in one of their hospitals. I don't know which hospital it is, they have a bunch all over town. But I I was requested to build, they called it a shawl rack. It's actually a quilt rack. So a quilt rack, a lectern, which they call the podium, mm-hmm. and a kneeler, which is like this thing that you you know you kneel down in front of or kneel down on to pray, <clears throat> and an altar
0: mm-hmm. made out
1: of a live edge slab. So I built the quilt rack. It made me feel like I was in eighth grade shop. I I built the quilt rack. I built the uh, lectern. I finished that yesterday. And then yesterday afternoon, I started building the kneeler. And I'm almost done with it today. I've got about another half a day with it. And I'll be done. And then I can start on the altar on Monday. Hopefully... I've I've got some questions about how they want me to do it. I mean, and this is all, they just give me pictures, build this to this dimension. It's like, oh, okay, I can do that. So uh, I've been working on that. What about you, Hui? I milled up a
0: bunch of the material that will be the base assembly to the round extension table that I'm building, beveled the edges, and I cut the shoulders for what will be beveled finger joints. I don't know if that's the correct term for it, but they're... It's kind of like a double through double tenon. That's almost like a bridle joint. So looks kind of like a finger joint, but they're beveled for, so that the legs can sweep in. Uh, Guy, you've seen you saw the overall design that um, that I'm going after. So maybe that kind of makes sense. Maybe not so much to the listeners. But I also uh, did a bunch of electrical work in the new house for the new shop. I added two twenty amp 120 volt lines so circuits and a total of six outlets for that shop uh, because when we uh, when they built the house they only had one 15 amp circuit for that entire garage and that's just not going to work. I don't know why I didn't think to ask. Oh, I know why. Because they wanted an arm and a leg to install extra outlets in the garage. And then every single dedicated line was an an additional charge. So it was just so much to to get them to do it. So I hired my buddy who is a licensed electrician and a contractor. And uh, he helped me uh, do all that work. So it was actually fairly fast. We were able to do it pretty quickly. But now I have four... Dedicated 220 volt lines in the shop, two dedicated 120 volt, 20 amp lines, and one 15 amp line in the shop. So, you a need bunch or
1: 220 volt.
0: So, one is dedicated for the CNC, one is dedicated for the dust collector, one is dedicated for the mini split, and then one is okay. going to be to power the machines. The machines. Yes. Okay. Okay. I,
1: I, I, I figured you would need three, I, I didn't think about the mini split. Yeah. So, so there yeah. You go.
0: Yeah. But, uh, all right. That's all I got. Sean, what do you got going on? Um,
2: still working on the, uh, bow front cabinet, fixed some screw ups, uh, made the sliding dovetails too long. So I had to redo the top and the bottom of the cabinet, which, uh, was pretty quick work. And, um, yeah. Did next up,
1: rebuild it or any of the parts or huh? what exactly did you do to fix it? What'd you do to fix it?
2: I had to make a new top and a bottom.
1: New
2: top and the bottom. Okay. Yeah. I had to make a new top and the bottom reroute the sliding dovetails for the sides, uh, and the quarter inch groove for the back panel. Yeah. Next up is I need to make the drawer and then pre-finish assemble, be done and move on to the next thing. And a pretty funny story. I know last episode I talked about how I, uh, my sister and her family asked me to make them a, I guess a, a TV stand credenza, whatever you want to call it. And, and, and two uh, end tables, I got a call from them Saturday. Hey, can you come help us unload a new TV stand and, and side table? So it went from when <laughs> you make me something to help me carry this in the house. So
0: <laughs> they didn't want to wait.
2: <laughs> no. So it was, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I would have rather have done after carrying that heavy crap in the house, but at least it's, at least it's over with. So. At least you don't have to make it. No, I don't <laughs> have to make it. So. Was it was
1: it nice stuff?
2: Uh not it I mean, it was all right. You know, it was nice. Not as nice yeah. as what I would have made, yeah. but it was actually really nice. It was solid wood on most yeah. of it. And um it was heavy, heavy,
0: heavy, two piece. Yeah. So and we did it while it rained. So it's funny that you mentioned that, Sean. About three weeks ago when we first moved into our new house, my wife says, Hey, I'd love you to make me some bar stools and about a week ago my wife says hey i ordered some bar stools <laughs> and uh, and now we have new bar stools
1: <laughs> yes, you know, huh? that works that i, I works. do i do the same thing all the time my my wife knows not to ask me to build anything for her because it's just going to be you know a year from now so she yeah. just buys the stuff yeah yeah so
0: Well, I think that wraps up this show. Please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community. So if you have woodworking questions, please send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. We would also like to thank everyone who has left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us in the search rankings. And of course, we truly appreciate the support and the feedback. And you can reach me at alabamawoodworker.com. All the links to my social media are on my website. Guy, where can you be found?
1: I can be found at guyswoodshop.com or on my social media. I'm just guyswoodshop for everything.
0: Yep. Everything. And Sean, where can we find you?
2: Uh, simplecove.com and at Simplecove on social. But before we end the episode, uh, if you guys do submit a question, please put your name in there. <laughs> I have to hunt and peck and and go all over the place to find names for folks so we can Properly give you credit. Say your name. Just throw it in there. Dash name. Appreciate that.
0: All right. Well, great. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.
2: All right. See you. See you, fellas. See you. Bye. Bye.